Alright, I am Caleb Rowe. And I am Nate Rowe. And we are the Bipolar Agnostics. Today we decided to do kind of an impromptu episode. Something happened pretty significant in our family that um, was a little bit of a surprise. We kind of anticipated it coming but didn't know exactly when it would happen. Honestly, it's a kind of a, a family tragedy, but our, uh, our grandmother passed away this morning and we had just gotten back from visiting her and um, she'd been in hospice for a while which in a sense is kind of a blessing because we could anticipate the fact that she was on her last leg and we could kind of we we hoped to be able to see her in time to kind of say goodbyes and to uh, to kind of come to terms with everything yeah and Obviously, this was very significant for our father. It was his last parent. Mm. Lost his father rather early. Mm-hmm. I never knew him. I was He was dead before I was born. And uh, Caleb, you're, I think you were like four or five. Didn't mm. really know him too well or so. So, yeah, it was that was Grandma latching on. She would always be there. Like, every holiday, she would just, you know, make sure to... Just on time, always be sending mm. money and... And she has so many grandchildren, oh, so much yeah. to cover. so many. Yeah, money and just cards and notes. Uh-huh. That was really the point of her life near the end, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was just to enjoy her grandkids and yeah. try to... She was very maternal. She was very involved. She was very genuine, very loving, non-judgmental. I mean, yeah, we, we, we loved her very, 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 very much. And... Um, yeah, and like kind of like with... What you were saying with uh, the whole preparing for the death and watching it coming, I started to mention my dad because this is extra hard on him. He was hit by this kind of recently with his older brother, Mm. the sibling he was closest to, and we definitely interacted with him a lot, at least uh, more, 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 more than his other siblings, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. We, We definitely saw him. Yeah. Because of him being so close. Anyway, but uh, for him, it was out of the blue. He was actually living with our grandmother, which his death, when you think about it, really li- lined up a lot of like, the scenario of it, where... Yeah, it, it kind of set something in motion that didn't necessarily cause the timing of our, our grandma's death, but it definitely was part of a sequence of events that, that led up to it happening how it happened. Yeah, but yeah, for him, that was out of the blue and it hit him so hard. Yeah, I remember the morning, actually, I got up and he came over and he was asking me if... I wanted to go to the Buddhist temple or something. It was Sunday morning, mm. and I either was really tired or I had to go to work later or something. I couldn't. And then, I don't know, I guess that was just his way of starting a conversation or trying to get his mind off something. Like, could have been many things. After that, eventually, yeah, he just said his sister called and gave him the news, and he just kind of broke down then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, mm-hmm. gave him a hug and comfort him. He was outside, kind of going in and out of it. And then I went out there and I told him something kind of reassuring, I guess. Like, at least he, he left his imprint on where we are today. I mean, the fact that my father had to react that way so violently is very unfortunate, but it was saying how much that the love was there. React what violently? What do you mean by that? Uh, his reaction. If Uncle Bob was just outcast and had no connection anymore and everyone just had no feelings for him, no one would have cried uh, and been upset. Uh-huh. I'm saying so the fact that it happens that at least in the past, my father and him had a very positive right. Did he reacted like really angrily oh no I mean the initial sadness yeah yeah, like yeah. The, the, the sorrow okay, yeah there was I, the anger I misunderstood that, your, the term violence I think a violent reaction yeah yeah I guess I was implying uh, for more for the intensity yeah 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 and then yeah even even after that he still kind of had a little piece of his brother to hold on to in that for a number of years 
we had been kind of looking after our uncle's pet dog named Delilah, who he had initially gotten for his daughter, and then his daughter didn't want anymore, and so we took it on to take care of this dog. After Uncle Bob died, Dad honestly really, really seemed like he became much more affectionate towards the dog, which is totally understandable, you know, that's like the last little remnant of his brother. And then about a month later, Delilah died. And that hit him almost equally as hard as, as Bob passing, I think. It's a weird thing because death is so just as much a part of life as anything. It impacts us so much. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a healthy understanding of the fact that it's inevitable and that, you know, even if it's someone's time to go, it's still going to be painful for their loved ones to say goodbye and to kind of face that. Yeah, and then all the better the life was, the the more painful it would be, especially for your loved ones. Again, the more attached they are to you, the more vital of a part you were in their lives, the more, mm-hmm. like, a role model you you turned everything around. I mean, you could be that parent that, you know, moved to America and made it great for your family. Like, we literally had that as ancestors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, like, dads and grandparents coming over? Great-grandparents? Great-grandparents, Whomever yeah. it, it have been. I think so. But, exactly, so someone, the child, like, they both immigrated over the parents and the child, but, you know, they looked up to their parent who just made it for them and set up all their greatness and everything. Mm. So, that's just one uh, example, but uh, some story like that, the more profound and impactful your life was, it seems the harder it would be uh, for you to let it go, especially other people. And that's also what we need to really think about and focus on. It's not solely like the death of our grandmother, mm. but it affects everyone else around it. Which yeah, is the crazy phenomenon about it. Yeah. And the fact that we understand our own mortality compared to animals, mm. uh, that's just a big trade-off. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think that's a lot of the drive for religion, actually. Mm. Yeah, totally. Totally, yeah. We can explain everything about life, but what about the death? Maybe it's, you know, more broadly, it offers an explanation for the big unknowns. One of which is obviously death. Another of which is how did we get here? You know, what are we? Purpose. Yeah, a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, all these unknown factors. Obviously, family members are going to affect you more than anything else. And mom actually had, I think, a total of four miscarriages. Wow. There's five of us. So, obviously, there's a lot of us. But between me and Alex, that's why there's such a big age gap. There's five and a half years between us. Uh, All four were then? Do what? All four were then? No, no, no. okay. That was the first one. And so, yeah, but she was carrying the the child long enough to where it was more than just kind of a... At first, people know to kind of be hesitant about being really open about being pregnant. Count Literally counting your eggs before they hatch? Yes. Literally. Literally. Literally, yeah. Or before you poop them out your vagina. (laughs) I remember very, very specifically that emotion as a little kid because mom went to the hospital and I knew that it was related to her pregnancy. We got there and I was like, I was was super excited. I was like, where's the baby? Where's the baby? And, uh, you know, dad said, "Uh, the baby's not here. And I said, well, you know, where's the baby? And, you know, he explained it to me as the baby is with God now. The baby's not on earth. I was like, okay, but when is he coming back? When are we going to see him sort of thing? Um, it was really hard. Yeah, that was really hard for me to understand. I was probably three years old at the time because that was when we were in Germany because I, I was an army brat and um, we were stationed in Germany at the time. And, um, so that was my that was my first brush with death, I guess, yeah. was And it was a sibling. Um, and then, you know, there were other little miscarriages. Like Sam, our brother, the one right below Nate, he was the twin. 
I don't really? Know if you, were you aware of that? No. Yeah, he was a twin, and mom lost the twin, but but Sam lived. Wow. Yeah. I learned so much just by listening to Caleb. <laughs> well, so if you'd help, you think I know? Well, we're not yeah, a, with your age, definitely. We're not a very open, communicative family by default. No. And maybe even by design, mm. we're not that. And so uh, I definitely feel a responsibility to push us towards communication and to kind of be a mediator. Honestly, that's why I moved to Kansas in the first place. That's a whole other story. And then there was one time when I was convinced that Nate was dead. And it was... uh, The situation that led up to it had me very frustrated with him. And he was going through all these mental health issues that I didn't fully understand and couldn't fully relate to. I have my own mental illness problems, but they're not the same as his. And so... Yeah, when you disappeared, from our perspective, you disappeared for the night when you were supposed to come home, and then, you know, couldn't get a hold of you, you know, we kind of said, okay, let's try to be logical and hold off our emotions for a little while here until we can investigate this a little bit further, and so dad went to the police, mom did the GPS tracker thing on your phone, and it turned up right next to where there was a news report that a body had been pulled out of... Um, a river in Kansas City. We weren't 100% sure, but it was like that was where your phone was. When they found the body, I I came home. I honestly, uh, up until that point, I wasn't sure if I would even be... I wasn't sure how I would react if you did die because I felt like it would in a way be uh, the result of you know, a, a series of, of bad decisions that I now understand were not uh, made in, in a right state of mind, in a, in a fully conscious state of mind. But, mm-hmm. you know, from my perspective at that time, I was really mad at you. And so I really wasn't sure how I would, I would react to something like that if that were true. But then I got home and mom said they just pulled a body out of the river where Nate's phone was found. And I just, I just collapsed. Sobbing and was incapacitated. Um, it showed me, you know, how much I love you. And um, honestly, to me, it's kind of a testament to unconditional love. My emotions in and of that moment, with the knowledge that I had, which was limited, of course, and and a lot of it flawed. I had the emotions that I had, and I was angry and. That is what it is, but that did not affect the love that I had for you. The the love with a capital L, as I would call it. Yeah, the 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 love of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the unconditional. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't really expect a snare like that, especially that one. Mm. The again, it's way too much to go into in detail yeah. right now. But you can't really see it coming. I was again to be vague. I was making a lot of horrible decisions mm-hmm. that would cause this. But it's, I guess, a good way of putting it is it, you're playing with even more cartridges than Russian roulette. So you're saying you're playing Russian roulette with like 300 cartridges for like a scenario like this to happen. So like you know, something eventually is going to go off. It goes off, and you have no clue how it could end up. In the past, it didn't end up into, like, the exact severe scenario right. where, uh... It had landed, actually, landed you in mental hospitals and stuff. Yeah. But, uh... 
nothing that extreme. I yeah, guess. like going there and disappearing. And it was listed the fact. I mean, you could look and be like, oh, Nate disappeared. His phone died, and they thought he was dead. That's horrible. Well, the actual fact is, I was almost killed. But in obviously a different way than mm-hmm. drowning. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's to say if it were, I would have been killed or not? But, uh, someone ended up stopping the assault. But I was there. No intentions that one could fathom or mm. even explain. Right. So, but anyone who saw me could assume things. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so I'm there. One thing leads to the next, and I'm being uh, assaulted, beat up. Uh, got really, really fucked up. Basically, just everything was taken from me. And I had the shit beat out of me, mm-hmm. and then I, again, cell phone list, had to wander around. Yeah. I get out at 3 a.m. trying to find a way to contact help. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it wasn't until the next day that I ended up arriving home, and being oblivious to everything yeah. that happened at home, of course. And that made us even more pissed off, was we were in the, we were in the process of mourning you. We were mourning your death. And then you just waltzed in the door... And I was like, we tried to express to you, dude, like, oh my god, we thought you were dead. And where you were at mentally, you didn't have the capacity to appreciate the weight of that. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I totally understand. And since then, like, we've had talks that, like, the family or whatever, that, that mom and dad may have not been comfortable with us having, but that, I don't know, I kind of told mom to shut up and let us talk and... And it ended with us, you know, crying and hugging each other and stuff like that because we understood where each other was coming from. And shit, honestly, this podcast not, might not even exist if I didn't have a mental disorder. No. Which, yeah. yeah, because that's how we got so close so often. It was a, a horrible sure. way to do so, but, you know, all the therapy and having, you know, put the ugly stuff out there and work on it. And then because of talking, ugly stuff arises from other people. Uh-huh. Like, I cause a lot of drama in this family, but there's still a lot going on outside of that. Oh, yeah, totally. And... Absolutely. Yeah. And then Caleb and I got even closer and closer, and obviously could talk about more uh, deep things like that and Mm -hmm. connect. And then, eventually, you know, spirituality really became a big part of it, and that's Uh where we are currently. But, yeah. I didn't really think about that until now. Like, we we might not even be here if I didn't... If I wasn't born. That's a great... Yeah, that's a great observation, yeah. And while you were in the hospital... I know this... We're getting off the death topic, but... Uh, while you were in the hospital, um, there's nobody else who could take you to and from the institution that you were being treated at. Uh, oh, like the the first time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I stayed there for a long time, and then eventually they, they did a program where it it's outpatient. like school. Yeah. yeah. You go there. Outpatient program sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but then like during those commutes and stuff, like we got closer and closer, Puked and puked. We, yeah, we can yeah, get it. No. I think we should really get into that maybe at a later time. Yeah, d- definitely. But, um, yeah, that's what led up to us getting to where we are now. And even, honestly, I'd say as of the past month, I feel like we're a lot more peers uh, than the whatever other dynamic we had. You know, big brother, little brother. I And it, I almost... Honestly, I almost play a semi-parental role in this in this family. Yeah, you know, we can get into that too later. And I'm not. I'm not just saying that. Like, it. I I think that's valid. Don't. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, I guess I do have my own little thing on death. It's completely skewed, but experiencing it like during after that same night, hours before me ending up there, uh, again mental health issues, uh, just 
out of the world delusion, psychos and whatnot. But I was convinced that I was going to die mm. at a certain point. My I could have died because my heart was being so fast. Like mm. I could, it could have just collapsed. But yeah, I was looking up at everything and pondering, what might this be? And mm. I like, who am I? I yeah. don't even understand what's going on here. I was trying to connect the dots because this stuff has happened in the past. And every time I'd see it differently because I knew I knew the, what the past was. I would I would see it in wrong ways, but. Like something's obviously wrong here. I don't know what's right. This is this is messed up. And then eventually it lets you. This is also actually part where a lot of my uh, spiritual difficulties come from. Because every time I have a super spiritual experience, again, it's, it's imagine like being on LSD for a few. In like you are. That's exactly what it was like. Yeah, like talking. Because you to God, like we should say you you had psychotic breaks. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I'm saying, like, also LSD, like, in the spiritual aspect, you become some spiritual, but you're in such an intense psychosis, you actually think you're talking to God, you know, the, with the visual hallucination parts or whatever. I've had those really intense spiritual experiences, uh-huh. and, again, you can imagine, like, I don't know, you, you were Alice in Wonderland, but it was actually a dream, but it was so real, and everything. Mm. Narnia is a good example, because you actually meet Aslan, and then at, at a point, like, God, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure on all of it, but anyway, something like that... And then you just come out of it back to the real world. So then I crashed down from what I thought. I was like, oh, finally, that's what a true sign from God is. I get it. I figure out with spirituality. I know the key to happiness. Mm-hmm. It's down path. I finally understand. And obviously, I would look at my childhood a lot. And uh, I'm like, okay, I finally understand what I achieved beyond that. And then when I crashed down back to reality, and it's like, no, dude, you were just... Yeah. No, I think... you were just in a simulation, bro. And then it's like, okay, so every time I have this... Is that, like, what people say when they're experiencing God? That little, like, hint, or maybe that's God telling me something. Like, I can just debunk that because, like, I don't know, there's... Or my own brain does that Uh, because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. And I I remember you, me, and Mom were uh, in the living room, and you said that you had a dream last night where God directly talked to you. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll follow you here. And then after you described what was revealed to you... I was trying to be as open-minded as possible, Hmm. but I was like, dude, from my experience, I don't think that that was the voice of God. I think that was projection, and that was you, a part of you. Um, Hmm. Part of me, yeah. Yeah, like making a character. It's weird that part, like, exists. Totally. Yeah, and it's inevitable that all humans and all cultures uh, make God look like themselves. I think that's part of my opposition to the term God is because it's like the idea of a being. In my mind, God is not a being. God is being. He's not a being. Mm-hmm. He's the source of being. The, that which allows being. Yep. Yeah. And then if I twisted that and then thought that like that was reversed and on me, then that became, I don't know, I guess all the more true in my mind. Especially then I could just be talking to myself, like, in that dream, and then that would become not cool, and I rationalize that. Like, I'm talking to myself, and right. I don't know it, and it's, so myself's really convincing, knows what to tell myself, uh-huh. and, all, and all that. Yeah, and it's literally, you know, there in my brain, and all. So, yeah, that, that's a little side note on my, my hesitancy with uh, spiritual experiences, but bringing that back to, that was one of my spiritual experiences, at least I thought at the time, and that whole encountering God thing, and thinking you're about to die, so I guess it's what everyone imagines with death when... You know, you're a Christian, you're saved, like you close your eyes and that's what you're going to be seeing. And say, uh, for our grandmother's case, that's what would have been uh, 
like hoping the whole life. Uh, the dementia, we kind of we're gonna talk about that later, possibly. But the the dementia go aspect going to it. But say she was without that, or at least for my father, she, he knows. Like she closed her eyes, she sees Jesus, or she didn't have dementia. That that would have happened. So for me, it was like that moment. So I guess I can ex- people can come back from the dead and say what they thought they experienced. Right. And also for me, it was like that's what yeah. death was, and I I, mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Or say like you were in a dream and you think you're gonna die. No, like yeah. This, this makes so, so pretend. And I've had acid trips where I thought I was dying and had some a very similar experience to what you're describing. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly that's psychosis. Yeah. Exactly. Too. So that it's yeah interesting. We we can compare there for sure. And I've had a couple other friends uh, kind of say that. And then one friend who actually did die and mm-hmm. came back and his. Yeah, real quick. It was just basically a dream. He said it was on a car, a nice road. Maybe his mind was just making heaven, whatever uh-huh, he wanted it to be. Yeah. Again, but beyond that speculation. Yeah. So yeah, actually thinking you're gonna die, and it was overwhelming. Mm. And what I did go to was, oh God, which religion do I choose? Like, <laughs> what he, he's speaking to me right now. Like, what is, who am I talking to, and what what is the uh, key pass into the next life? Yeah. I can uh, give you a wild guess at what it landed on. Mormonism. Mormonism. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You yes. decided you were Mormon for a yes. while. Yes. I was. I, I. I was. I converted to Mormonism. But you had no idea. You, very shortly. Yes. I was like, okay, and then I started trying to talk to you about it, and I realized I know a lot more about <laughs> Mormonism than you do. Yeah. It was because of these uh, Mormons I interact. Like I always had a couple friends in high school. Then like uh, there was another friend of theirs, like for longboarding. He was younger. He was Mormon. He had more missionaries over at his house, so I would talk to him just to be curious. At that time, I wasn't believing any of it. But again, they were everywhere. And then I remember the last thing we really lashed me out to this one girl. I was at someone's house. I was just mentioning, you know, seeing the Mormon. She was Mormon too. Like, she was like, they're trying to convert you. I was like, no, uh, they aren't. And she's like, yeah, they'll get to you. They'll, oh, they convert, are. They'll get to you. And Absolutely. Then, you know, fast forward, I was like, oh, shit, this is, what it feel, this is what it feels like to get got. To get the, got. To get gotten to. Uh-huh. Yeah, it like. And that's what, you, that's what we were trying to do to people for so long. That's what we were trained. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the Southern Baptist Church exactly. to do to people. So maybe. The person would be sane, they wouldn't be mentally ill, but maybe they would have a moment like that, like, you know, they their mind would be convinced of that, that uh, religion mindset would be set in, and then therefore, like, your mind is different at that point. Mm. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't think, oh, I'm going to fall asleep and then die, you're, but you're like, wow, that is, the Mormons are right, like, Mormon God is talking to me, Joseph Smith is, this is I know this sounds really knack, I don't, I doubt, I don't think it's like Catholics where they, Joseph Smith is one of the saints and he talks to you and you pray to him, but, you know, something like that, like, you, you, you get that connection and... Yeah, so I, I ended up landing on that. But before that, yeah, everything's running through my mind. I, I'm trying to piece this together. Uh, I was actually thinking, okay, I'm just going to go straight home. I'm going to talk to my mom, and I'm going to say, Mom, I'm, like, I'm afraid. I don't want to die. Or, like, what do I do? I'm confused with the spirituality thing. But I was trying to resolve it on my own. So, yeah, everything was, like, flooding to my mind. And then, yeah, I was like, okay, let me just review the history. And it was, like, Mormons. Like, I was like, oh, this is how they choose their prophet or whatever. Or the, or anyone in the church. They kind of, they have this plan set out. And then, bam, once it hits them, they're like, oh. even now I'm feeling what the plan was like. It's like a flashback to it. This is mm. weird. Yeah. Like, the feeling of, oh, wow, I'm a Mormon. And, mm. Like, not being raised in it, but the conversion moment. Like, bam. Yeah. I don't know. And it was weird. And after that, I realized oh, I was all going to be okay. I wasn't going to die. But, yeah, let me confronting it itself the fact that I'm going to be gone or or reincarnate and restart I knew there was going to be a reset button Nate Rowe was going to stop existing my consciousness my history and my memories and it was just overwhelming mm-hmm. and I guess maybe that just just that fear in that moment maybe that's mm. exactly what other people experience on their deathbed who mm. don't nece- aren't necessarily reassured you know say about the afterlife or whatever or just that natural if we were never exposed to religion and didn't know what it was, it just that, that that would be natural in people. Even with I'm sure people are still scared at the end. Like that that humanistic feeling takes over. Like your flesh takes over. Like you are yeah. you're gonna end. And there, there's that logical I'm not gonna debate whether logical is 
means valid over other people's things. I'm saying uh -huh. there's that reasoning part of your brain that's like, wait, let's let's look at this, like you know, putting together what I know about life and energy. Yeah, uh -huh. it, it just kind of hits you. Yeah. So maybe my worry was different, but I guess that's as close as I can get to the fear of imminent death. Yes. And right, what right, what right. it might be like for someone who's passing away. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to go into this too much, but I've I've had that experience too, and it absolutely changed my life. It was a situation where um, I had an experience with a girl who kind of hit schizophrenia during the time that we were talking to each other. It ended with, with, with her kind of trying to kill us on the interstate, going 100 miles an hour. And uh, she pulled the wheel all the way to the left and we were facing oncoming traffic on the interstate in Louisville. Uh, there's a semi-truck coming straight at us and I said, okay, I'm gonna die. And I came to terms with that. And honestly, man, like, I was convinced that I was gonna die, but I wasn't, I wasn't afraid. I don't know. I don't know. I, I genuinely wasn't. And, and I, and I felt like I got myself here. I was like, okay, this is not unfair. I made the choices that got me here, and now I'm gonna die. And this is the end. But, anyhow. I just feel that there is a spiritual parallel for all material facts. And that the fact that matter slash energy cannot be created or destroyed, I feel like uh, there's a spiritual parallel to that. And that whether or not it's my consciousness or what the fuck is consciousness, like whether or not it's the assemblage of spiritual particles of ether that composes my consciousness, that it will always exist in, in one form or another, I guess. I don't know, whatever. I guess that kind of covers a good topic about beyond reactions to death, because that, that was a lot of what we were just talking about, uh, experiencing it, ourselves seeing it, uh, seeing it in others, the reactions, the, the scenarios at all, uh, how it affects people. Let's cover that so thoroughly. Death itself. In its actuality, like you were just saying, now what you see of death, not like reaction to it and how it feels and whatnot, how that's almost like the afterlife, where you're like you're saying, like you're, you are eternal, you're material-wise, and that is kind of the past death, that's the afterlife. Yeah, if you're just a timeline, birth, death, then we just, we're now we're covering just, I guess, the, the concept of it and everything. It's ended... Mm. I guess this is like my way of speculating about the afterlife, as yeah. just like as a religious person would... You know, like we can all talk about the reactions to it, just the Christians and uh -huh. every other religion. Uh -huh. They have family and loved ones that they see at death uh -huh. and console. This is a little, a little bit off topic, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting, and I know I've told you this story before, but uh, very recently I would visited some friends on the West Coast, and I was on a plane flying back, and uh, the woman that I was sitting next to, we were having a really good conversation, and uh, I have some tattoos on my hands, one of which says wash feet, which is a, a reference to Christ washing people's feet and you know, that metaphor of serving others. Because honestly, to me, I, I feel like that's the most important thing about human existence. Anyhow, I, I was kind of trying to feel out where she was at. Uh, and I had been listening to a, a podcast by Jay Baker of Revolution Church. And so we were kind of talking and it was obvious that she was more conventional in her beliefs. And she was like, she was talking about how awesome heaven's going to be and this and that about heaven and all these details about heaven. And I was like, hmm, you know, maybe, you know, like, <laughs> okay. Because I have, you know, what are you referencing even? Like, I, okay, I, I guess you heard that from a pulpit and that sounds great and everything. 
Uh, and then we hit turbulence. Mm-hmm. And she freaked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. She was so scared. You know, she grabbed both sides of the seat. And, and she was like, her eyes got so wide. And she started breathing really deeply. She was so scared. And she had literally just been talking about how awesome heaven was going to be. And I don't, I cannot say that I believe in heaven. Uh, as an afterlife, I, I believe in building heaven here on earth. Uh, but, um, like I said, is that, is that, is that human side taking over? Is that fleshly thing the exact same thing I was talking about earlier? You can think it right. Like at your deathbed, you can be reassured so much about heaven and everything, mm. and then at the same time be afraid of death. Like you realize that. But in her case, though, it, it you know she believed that you know. she believed in heaven. Yeah. But that may, kind of made it apparent that she did not. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So then, what was the point in the entire thing? What was the point of all that reassurance and being saved? If at the end of your life you're just going to be terrified, and in my opinion, the truth will hit, and you won't see it because you're not there, but blankness and nothingness so all of that and you just ended in terror at the last second not even join the thought of the potential afterlife well at at least we get whenever we die we get the you know dmt and oxytocin Uh released in our brains and i think a lot of those people coming back from dying on the operation table or whatever a lot of those experiences are you know just that like having a a DMT trip sort of thing. Precisely, yeah. And I think that there could be even validity in those experiences and scientifically saying, oh, like, maybe they really did see something that is awaiting us, except for the fact that every single culture and every single belief system, whenever they experience that, it is a direct Specific, reflection yeah. of what their beliefs is. And they see people they see people they've known yeah. and everything. If everyone saw the same thing, then you could be like, "Wow, maybe there is." <laughs> you know? Yeah. With that, I guess that could be your last happy thought almost. Even if you're terrified last moment, but you're in that dream state, and that's what happens. And I say dream state because uh the there's a person I knew, he had AFib. So his heart would start randomly beating. Like it's almost like having a heart attack like off the charts oh, and wow. it's, it's, it's again it's random uh-huh. and he just doesn't know how to react to it and he had it like his whole life and he was kind of like accepted of it and okay growing up he had a lot of depression issues actually uh, yeah, it was really cool uh, across my college there was a vape shop you course. can probably hear us vaping during, <laughs> we're addicted to nicotine we are we are it's uh it's we're, how we stay we're both addicts right well, yeah we are and I'm cool, I have dreams I'm cool with the nicotine thing you yeah. know I'm honestly like when I'm a father I'm sure I'll stop yeah, at least for now, like a transitional phase we were in spiritually. Yeah. So same with this, you know. Better than smoking two packs a day or whatever. Yes. Uh, yeah, but while I was saying, yeah, we met at the vape shop. And we kind of bonded because, like, growing up, he also had a lot of, like, depression issues. Almost apathetic to a lot of things. So, yeah, on his when he was on the deathbed then, they, they didn't want to inform him of it necessarily. They just kept trying different things. Like, they kept giving him more oxygen, oxygen, and that's what slowed on heart. It didn't work. And then he said eventually they came in and said, all right, we're going to give you something called liquid death. Like, they... I don't know, somehow they didn't That's want to. That's how they worded it? Yeah. And he said it was, that was somehow supposed to be safe. Like they, He said, they said, like, we don't want to startle you, but we're going to give you, maybe, like, they said the actual drug's name, you might have recognized it and, like, mm. freaked out. I'm not sure. That's okay. what he said. They they didn't specify what they necessarily gave him. I remember he had to try to, like, find out way later. Anyway, so he, they, they pumped him with that, and eventually he just, like, went off into, like, this dream state. Like I said, he was just in a car driving along the highway or wherever kind of a never ending road but uh-huh. it was just peaceful for him it wasn't very spiritual he, w- he wasn't great Christian which I think points to it all the more we're not necessarily meeting Jesus in that dream mm-hmm. if uh, you don't know who Jesus is right 
so yeah, it was just like that, and then he came to. Like you said, it was just like falling asleep. No, no difference. Came to, and his father was there, and, you know, was so, yeah, so happy that the heartbeat came back and everything. They were able to mm. resuscitate him. So, yeah, again, he ended up, and he, he was just like, okay, whatever, it happened, and he really didn't care either way. So, yeah, for him, it, he got kind of unfazed, but as I knew him, he called me one time during an attack, and, like, we, we, he called me a lot, and we would talk about, like, say, like, he this, like, girl drama or whatever, mm. just casual things. Yeah, sure, one time sure. he called me during an attack, and... Or it was just post-attack. Like, he was driving in the car. He said he got really pissed and just started, like... Because it was attacking him, All he, he didn't know what to do, so he just got angry at it. Um, he ended up at like a hospital. A, a hard episode is what you mean by attack, right? A hard episode? Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, okay. the, the, the really regular, irregular heartbeat. Uh-huh. Um, so he ended up at a hospital, and they weren't believing him when he... You know, he walked into the ER, so they wouldn't see him immediately. And they wouldn't, like, believe him and treat him. Just They thought he was drug-seeking oh. or something, oh which is God. just... I don't know bullshit but he, he was able to like just calm down enough and he, he, he was calling me as he was walking home he had to walk home mm. and he wasn't quite sure where he was and he finally found the apartment complex and I remember he goes up to a door and he's like dude I'm like tripping right now I don't understand he's trying to get in the door and he couldn't find it couldn't get it to work and he realized it wasn't even his door like on the apartment complex or something mm. so then I, I feel the fear I'm talking to this guy trying to calm down make sure it's all okay and I'm talking to someone I guess when you think about it, who potentially is dying Right, like it, it right, could right. result in that. I mean, because he didn't get had, the medical care that he needed. Yeah, and then you're just given like this is in your hands right now. It's live, and you're like, well, what, what, what do I do with it so much? So, just again, just didn't do anything to alarm him. Just spoke soothingly, even just about regular things to take his mind off it. Mm-hmm. It was out of his control. But yeah, so at first, kind of like apathetic. He, it happened to him. He just had that dream or whatever, and it kind of seems to have unfazed him to this day. But still did. The condition that put him in that scenario is haunting him. And yeah, that he had that... Like, he was just worried. He's like, dude, I don't... I think I'm tripping right now. I don't know where I am. And mm. this... Oh, this is... Like, this is bad. It was yeah. just weird to hear someone talk about that. So again, that that's like talking to someone who is dying, potentially, and who has died in the past. It's crazy. Everyone you run into mm-hmm. who uh, could have different experiences with Yeah, that. totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, just one quick thing on that. Uh, like, him having that fear in that moment, I kind of got it too. Because again them thinking I was dead I mm. did escape like that deadly situation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a twisted view on it at first so I was like whoa God, I, thought, I was like wow that was, that was a great life lesson I'm not going to do that again I'm so happy to be alive obviously you shouldn't be like happy after like walking around chiefly like wow that's a great thing to have under my belt and I'm alive now now I know I'm wiser for it that's wonderful mm. that, that, so that was kind of wrong but at the same time that relief that hit me I was like whew like that was a right. that was a level of a video game and I got through it and it's just mm. whew, okay not doing that again that was yeah right right that right, was right. great yeah yeah for sure. And then also, oh, I also had a massive relief when I realized I wasn't going to like go to sleep and die and that I was the Mormon prophet. I, that was a good relief. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great relief in, a, in an odd way. Yeah, I was so happy. I was like, whoa. Oh, good. I'm not one. the next Mormon prophet. <laughs> I know. No, I thought I was. No. I came to the conclusion I was, and then I was okay. You were relieved that no. you... I was like, I'm not going to die anymore because I realized... Because that, I am the Mormon prophet. No, it's, it's because Mormonism, everyone was after me. And then I discovered it was Mormonism, and that's okay. Like, I will retain my consciousness. If I go to sleep, I'm not going to die. Like, somehow the conclusion I reached was safe, and I could not be harmed from it. From Mormonism? Yes. Okay. I guess. Mm-hmm. And also, I was like, well, maybe I was a little ridiculous back there, whatever. Yeah, and then I got in the car. I remember I was driving, so excited. Listening to uh, St. Peter's Cathedral by Death Cab for Cutie. Mm. That's like a song about atheism, actually, if yeah. you want to look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and if these fictions only prove how much you really got to lose, and when our hearts stop ticking, this is the end and there's nothing past this. But yeah, still, it was just, like, wow, I saw it, and it was nothing. Mm. Then why was I reassured? Anyway, it's really confusing, but just, it's weird to go through it yourself. I never had any of the flashing before my eyes or anything. Mm. That never happened. Mm -hmm. But with you, it was you said it was kind of like an instantaneous, like, just realization and understanding. Just like, wow, I put myself here, I'm going to die, this is all right. Mm. It is what it is. Yeah, it was, it was like, uh, well, I'm going to die now. And I was, I, honestly, I was sad for, uh, for you guys, for my family. And I was kind of embarrassed that that was the situation in which I was going to die. But at the same time, I was like, well, and I was, I was kind of like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see, uh, what happens next. Cause yeah, I, I am confident that even if I am not the consciousness that I identify as Caleb as myself, I'm confident that the energy of my consciousness will persist. And I would never, you know, try to preach that to anybody or convince anybody of that, but that just makes sense to me. And I am an extreme skeptic these days, and like, I, like we've both said many times, we're in transitional periods, but um, right here, right now, that makes sense to me, that my consciousness will persist, and um, yeah, anyhow. Yeah, but, consciousness persisting, uh, it's it's unrelated, but uh, that ties right into what we wanted to say with uh, our grandmother seeing her at the very end, and right. just uh, seeing her in the state she was, you know, dementia, or Alzheimer's, whatever you want to call it, I can't, I don't know exactly what this case it was. It was dementia. dementia. Dementia, yeah, it was yeah. Dementia, yeah. So you just, seen someone, you know them, your whole life, and then they don't know you, though. Yeah. And they don't necessarily even know who they are, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, you're in a childlike mindset, and Caleb kind of saying this earlier, that is it preferable to be like that? So for when you... That's you, what I've been wrestling with. Yeah, you're not... She wasn't aware she was about to die. She had, yeah. So no fear of it. So yeah, she was oblivious to the fact that death was very quickly approaching. Is that preferable? And I thought that she was in a state just completely removed from herself, from her personality and everything, because I only ever knew her as grandma. Dad told us, I, I still see her in there, but it is her younger self. Hmm. That she has reverted kind of to herself as, as a child. Of course, he didn't know her when she was a child, but um, he saw attributes of her, you know. And her behavior was like a child in that, uh, she would kind of say silly things and you kind of laugh it off. And mm -hmm. she didn't really understand what was going on in reality. We were kind of warned before the trip that it was going to be hard to see her. But then when we actually were there and we actually saw her, when we first entered the room to see her, she was scared of us. There was a fear in her eyes. She had no clue who we were. And then she whispered kind of to Dad, because she recognized Dad... I think she was calling him Bob, but she recognized that he was a familiar face. But uh, she said, these guys, these guys. She was talking about us. And maybe, you know, it's because of our appearance, you know, facial hair and tight pants. Well, yeah. She was off put by us. She was startled by us. We kind of had a stilted, awkward conversation with her for a little while. And then our Aunt Cheryl, who was her caretaker, and by the way, like, talk about luck or blessings. Aunt Cheryl, her husband, our Uncle Larry, 
both of them are certified nurses. And so, honestly, the fact that Bob was no longer her caretaker because he'd passed, and now she was under the care of Cheryl and Larry was, like, kind of a best worst case scenario sort of thing mm-hmm. but anyway so Aunt Cheryl said okay well let's give grandma a hug and a kiss goodnight so I leaned in for a hug and her eyes got real wide and real scared I said uh is it okay if I hug you grandma like yeah man she like there's so much fear in her eyes because I was leaning and I was getting closer and she looked to dad and then she looked to Cheryl who both kind of nodded and assured her and then she kind of put on a smile and said sure and she let me hug her and give her a little kiss on, on the forehead. The entire time we were there, she had no clue who we were. Um, and yeah, there, there was like one moment, but then she would forget after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah if she ever did, it was brief and she would forget. It was, yeah. It was, moment, it was like a second or less, probably. So, yeah, if anything, it was... It's not supposed to be this way, but I guess... The only thing that got out of the visit was us receiving closure or anything about the... Seeing her was all on our side because well, unfortunately she didn't. Well, I mean, like, yeah, she. I felt like I didn't see. I went into it thinking that I would get closure. But well, not necessarily that. I'm saying anything that came out of it was for us, not her. Yes. Because at the end, true. I'm sure you know if she doesn't even recognize who we are each time we see her. Yes. I don't think she will remember the visit necessarily. But uh, so we were going uh, see what we get out of it, and yeah. it might not. Yeah, like you said, it probably wasn't what we wanted or. Expected. Yeah. I understood that she probably wouldn't recognize us and stuff like that, but I didn't understand that it was to the extent that she had no concept of the fact that she was dying and it mm-hmm. was happening very, very soon. And so the hardest part for me, one of them was when you guys, I think, went to go get the um, the rider truck and I, I stayed with Grandma and um, I held her hand and she was comfortable with that and... To me, that was, like, that was really important. That was really fulfilling to be able to just sit there next to where we were watching TV, and I just held her hand and, you know, kind of rubbed on her skin and just kind of tried to uh, convey affection. And that was really important to me. But then um, when it was time for us to leave, we each had a turn in the room with her by ourselves. I didn't know what to say, man. Like I said, okay, Grandma, um, we're leaving now. And I knew it was the last time I was ever going to see her. Uh, and I, s- I said, you know, we're going to leave. So I just want to say goodbye. And t- in- to me, I was saying goodbye forever. And the fact that I could not convey that to her, the weight of that the weight of that goodbye Mm -hmm. because that's more than goodbye uh that was very upsetting to me and that is why I do not feel a sense of closure is because uh I couldn't I I said I love you I said goodbye I said I even said I wouldn't be here without you you know I I said thank you so much for having Greg and raising Greg our dad you know our dad and um allowing us to be here we're we're literally you know her flesh and um the the fact that there's no way for me to convey that thought to her and for us to be on the same page and to say goodbye to each other uh was man was really really upsetting to me honestly and i even i said okay bye and then there's a pause 
and I felt really, really awkward, and I said, I said, uh, I guess I'll see ya. I don't know why I said that. Hmm. Um, it felt like the thing to say based upon her reaction. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, in that sort of situation, like, see you next time, Grandma. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and I, I really, really want to believe that I, that I will see her, you know, like, that whole idea of, of, you know, living in paradise and seeing all your, uh, loved, departed family members and everything, like, that sounds great, but I have no real reason to believe that, and so, uh, and that brings me also to the point that I was really, really, I felt true extreme jealousy of, of dad, because he does believe that. Yeah. Well, he believes that he believes that. I don't mm. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. He that is that is the worldview that he consciously supports. That is that is the story that he tells himself. Mhm. Um and I cannot speak to his own internal experiences, but that obviously I'm a, a big uh Peter Roll- <laughs> Peter Rollins fan. Um, to anyone who's familiar with, with his work, but, um, just, yeah, that, that idea that we're always, that no one know, actually knows what they really believe, but, uh, he, that is a story that he tells himself, and as close as you can come to actually believing something, he believes that he will see her again, and I was so envious and so jealous that he had that and I didn't, mm-hmm. that I couldn't believe in that moment that I would see her again. And I really, 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 really wanted to. Yeah, it's going to be hard when it comes to, uh, you know, my close family. All of us. Yeah. Like, either you or me passing, or any other brother's parents. Yeah. And there's memory. To me, it's almost reassuring the fact that time is an illusion, and that any moment spent with someone is as eternal as any other moment in time. Hmm. Because time is an illusion, and Interesting. Um, I mean, scientific scientifically, time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say that is our best understanding scientifically is that it is an illusion. But yeah, yeah, that that will be really, really, really tough losing, uh, you know, a parent or a sibling. What was your goodbye with Grandma like? I felt the same way. I'm like, what do I do? What do I say? So I was just like, yeah, bye, Grandma. Thanks. Uh, can't remember exactly what I said, but I just. As plain as it gets, really. I mean, and you can't go much beyond that. This was a really weird experience. Uh, I don't think it's hit me necessarily like it's hit you, for sure. Yeah, and the the other thing that I'm wrestling with that we've we've already touched on a a little bit is from her experience, is it better to be in that childlike, oblivious, you know, ignorance is bliss mindset where you cannot, you don't have the capacity to fear death. Which is, like, the, the biggest human fear mm-hmm. is the fear of death. And, and she didn't have the, the capacity to fear it. But like a child doesn't. A child who's never encountered death yeah. has no capacity to fear it. Yeah. Just like how I didn't understand, like, during with the whole miscarriage thing back, back in Germany, like, I didn't understand what death... You have to learn what death is and, and the permanence of it. Yeah. And she was in that state where she did not have that understanding. And much less that that was where she was at, and that was what was w- awaiting her very, very soon. 
And so is, is that a better experience? But you don't recognize your loved ones. You can't take in the love that they're trying to give you. You're literally just a temporary memory. You're, you're a computer with a hard drive that's downsized to 100 megabytes and you have to dump every single day to... Because yeah. all the processes you had were too much. Like, yeah, I mean... And that's why I always debated, like, with when I want to go. Do I want to, I want to go earlier, where I still remember who I am and everything. Right, and right, right. Go out that way. Or it would be easier on me, but then I feel, I feel like it would be harder on everyone else. And plus, I'll think it's easier on me. Like... But that's the question is that but so I, the other side of the coin is would it be better for her in her experience to be fully cognitive and to know that she was dying, which is obviously about as unpleasant an experience yeah. as you can have. I guess but, as a Christian, you would prefer not to have dementia or Alzheimer's. You know, maybe she probably wasn't even considering the whole, I accepted Jesus as my savior and now he's waiting for me at the pearly gates. Mm. It's... Right. You know, she doesn't even know she's going to die. And I don't know yeah. how much of Christianity she remembers or all the, you know, history and yada, yada, So, yeah. I don't know, I guess... But, I mean, a- apart from that, just the human connection, like, being able to say goodbye to your children. And first, you have to recognize that you're, they're your children before you can say goodbye to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, having that capacity to recognize that, to recognize your death... Because you can't pick and choose. Either you're fully uh, cognitive, fully aware, or you're not. And so is it better to have the closure and to say, I love you, and you've you've been so much to me, and I wouldn't be me without you, and you are everything to me, and, you know, I, I love you so, so much. And to fully uh, accept that love and experience that love, the, the warmth that comes with that love. Being able to say goodbye to all of your kids and all your grandkids and to bathe in that warmth of that love um, and to come to peace with the fact that you're dying versus, yeah, having no fucking clue and just it happening. I guess that'd be similar to, like, you die but you don't know when you're going to die and you won't be conscious when you do. Like, say you'll just die in your sleep randomly one night. You won't ever have the dread of dying. You don't know you're dying soon, mm. but and it's in a different way, of course. But you st- but you don't get the goodbyes with your family members or anything, right? So I mean, in the end, like, and it was yeah, it's a weird combo of that and the whole thing to where her family members did come out to say goodbye to her. She didn't know they were her family members. Yeah, she didn't know what we meant when we said goodbye. Yeah, that's. That, that brings up a whole other controversy or thing I think about, like, how we extend the human life unnaturally, mm. extremely unnaturally. And yeah, you can take, like, antibiotics, fight things off and whatnot, but, like, barely keeping, just making sure someone's heart is beating and not being concerned with considering the functioning of their brain, their consciousness of being alive. Like being a vegetable and do not resuscitate yeah. and all that or, stuff. You know, yeah, you go into a coma forever and it's like, yeah. because we can keep you alive, we will, but... You know, things like that. Just, yeah. it's unnatural. We know you have this big ailment, but we're just going to make this person live forever with this ailment. Mm. As opposed to just... You know, Maybe we should make the fuck sure that we write out a do not resuscitate or a if I have dementia, cut back my medical care to nothing more than uh, if I have a cold or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all I have to say about death. Same. Same.